NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about Michigas, like Netflix matchmaking shows. I'm already felling. <laughs> if you haven't already guessed from the Yiddish that I did shoehorn <laughs> into this intro, today's channel surfing episode of Love to See It is about the Netflix show Jewish matchmaking. And here to discuss it with us is friend of the pod, Maddie Kahn, journalist and author of the forthcoming book, Young and Restless, The Girls Who Sparked America's Revolutions. Maddie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is a topic near and dear to my heart. I know. I was like, who would be good to discuss Jewish things? (laughs) My friend, Maddie. That's right. That's right. I, my parents I did racially profile you, but yeah. it's like in group, so it's okay. That's right. She was like, how can we do this so that Claire can just take a back seat? Because no one needs to know what Claire thinks about this show. I'm going to let you guys take the lead, but I'm really excited to discuss because this was such a fun, such a fun docuseries. Yeah. And I think, frankly, having a mixed group is, the way to talk about this show. So just to to get the concept down for anyone who hasn't watched, Jewish Matchmaking is a Netflix docu-series. It follows a Jewish matchmaker and dating coach, Aliza Ben Shalom, and a handful of her clients. And it is a direct spinoff of the Netflix series Indian Matchmaking, which just had its third season. And it really follows like the exact same vibe and format Like its predecessor, it kind of offers this glimpse into a niche cultural dating market, high-end matchmaking within specifically the Jewish community. And we have a clip of part of the trailer to sort of set the stage. Finding your person is the hardest thing to do in the entire world. And that's where I come in. 
The matchmaking I strictly do with the Jewish community, where I have helped over 200 couples to get to the chuppah. I want them to be obsessed with me. I need passion. Animal lover. Blonde or blue eyes or, you know, bigger mm-hmm, you know what I mean? <laughs> I do feel immense amount of pressure. You're supposed to be married and have children. I'm like the only one in Kansas that is a Jew of my color. As an Orthodox Jewish woman, if you're 28, people make comments, you're such a great girl, how are you still single? Um, all like amazing questions. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of get a feel there. We have Aliza, we have this diverse array of Jewish singles who span age ranges and locations, countries, religious levels. And we sort of just follow them very casually on like one or two dates. And Aliza is really our guide through all of it. So I wanted to talk about Aliza because I feel like she really is the heart of the show. She's the connective tissue. And she, like Seema Auntie from Indian matchmaking, is kind of like what the success of the show hangs on. Maddie, we were texting a bit about this. What did you think Aliza was going to be like? Or what were you perhaps worried Aliza <laughs> might be like? And, and what was your reaction to actually seeing her? Such a good question. I think when you see a show like this, if you grew up like I did, uh, your first question has to be, is this good for the Jews? Uh, <laughs> the question we ask ourselves anytime there's uh, a bit of Judaism in the pop culture realm Often the answer is it's not good for the Jews. Uh, historically, <laughs> our presence in pop culture has been mixed at best. Um, and I was just, I, I felt nervous. Like I wanted her, we want our best representatives out there. And I think there are a lot of ways I could imagine somebody in her position being really reductive or only wanting to work with certain kinds of Jews, maybe not being as open-minded as we would like. And I was really surprised by many parts about her, but the joy with which she does this work was so infectious. I really felt like I wanted to believe I love the fairy tale. Um, and I also think we can get more into this, but one of the things I liked about her the most that really surprised me is I felt like she really no matter how ridiculous people's preferences were or the things that were there, like hard line, I must have this, I won't have this, I need someone with amazing eyebrows, etc. <laughs> she really was willing to take people at their word. Like she was like, you need to be attracted to this person. You need to have amazing chemistry. And if that's what that's going to mean for you, then I will help you find that. She was so ready to like meet people in their spot. And I thought, this is good for the Jews. We love to see this. I totally felt the same way. And I shared your anxiety, Maddie, about like, oh God, who are they going to cast? What is it going to say? For any cultural group that is a minority in this country, there's always, I think, an anxiety when there are not that many representatives. And so it feels like you're hanging a lot on an individual in so many media representations. And yeah, Aliza is this really rare and great mix of, you know, she is an Orthodox Jew, but she grew up secular in Philadelphia. She now lives with her family in Israel. And she 
which is kind of rare, is an Orthodox Jew, but she works with Jewish clients who like span the religiosity spectrum. And that was made very clear from early in the first episode. And for me, like as someone who grew up going to a conservative egalitarian synagogue, my primary connection to my Judaism is kind of big holidays and the Jewish culture. And also my Judaism is wrapped up in progressive politics. Like I was relieved when she seemed so open-minded right off the bat and did seem so joyful and warm and just like excited to help people find their person. And she was so not phased by like, there was so little judgment in like someone was like, you know, I kind of keep kosher, but I like bacon. And she was like, great. <laughs> okay. okay, cool. <laughs> I think that there's also a feeling, a worry, like you said, when there's a lack of visibility that every, yeah, that every person who is, is visibly Jewish and she is, and her family is like, will they make, will they give people the right impression of what we're all about? And I have to say, like, if if people thought of that kind of open-mindedness as a hallmark of Judaism, that would be great. That would yeah, be Yeah, like, I'm good with good. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, she isn't everyone, but, like, if she was, I'd be, like, you know, pretty okay with it. Be and okay. I, I love that she says in the first episode, she's like, there are 15 million Jews in the world and about 15 million ways of being Jewish. And that is clearly pretty core to her mission and to the mission of this show is like, which it, you know, it's not a perfect show, but I think there is this emphasis on like, there is not one valid way of being Jewish in this world. There is not one, one valid way of expressing that Judaism or looking for a Jewish partner. And, and that felt like right off the bat made really clear. And I like breathed a sigh of relief. Yes. Totally. There's something about it that feels very, I mean, it's obviously very friendly to an American audience. And she is, you know, she's American. And so are a lot of her clients that there's just like a very individualistic approach to religion. And when you see someone come in who's very like doctrinaire and they're like, you're not going to have a successful marriage unless you all like get on board with this one way of living your religion that's very, like, uncomfortable to people like us. Like, Americans don't live that way. And she just, like, brings that completely non-judgmental, just, like, you each go your own way sort of energy that is very comforting. (laughs) It's like, yeah, there is no wrong way. Like, we're all just finding our own path and we're having our own relationship with our religion. Yeah, you know, she's like, I take a faith-based approach, but... I work with Jews who don't believe in God. And I was like, yes, Elisa, I love you. You rule. (laughs) Even that is not a wrong way. No, not at all. And also, I think she kind of is like, her cards are on the table. Like she, it's, you know, this is, I think this is, there are probably Jewish matchmakers out there who work with people who aren't Jewish or, you know, who are willing to do that. So she's not. And that's like, she's forthcoming about that. And even that, I could imagine that rubbing me the wrong way. But because she's so honest and she's so mm-hmm. candid, like this is this is where this is my sphere. This is how I work. This is what I do. It feels I don't know. She pulls it off. It doesn't feel as judgmental as it 
maybe could. I also think one of the things that's fun about watching her is that you do, or at least I did get the impression that she's really good at what she does. Like these couples, even when they didn't work, they made so much sense that she would think of those people for each other. You could see what she was trying to do. Like there was a thoughtfulness. Yeah. And it it feels like that is really key to to a good, someone who would make a good matchmaker, right? Is someone that sees, can really see the people in front of them, can see what they're asking for and listen to that and also see the things that maybe they need and don't know how to explicitly ask for or don't think to explicitly ask for. And it's kind of the marriage of those things that makes a great matchmaker. And I think she does a really good job of just making everyone she meets with feel seen. And that feels really evident because like all of the cast members have been posting like appreciation to Aliza posts on Instagram. They're like, this woman is incredible. You know, she helped me feel seen. She gave me like the amazing advice. And it's like, it is very heartwarming. You rarely see people come off of a reality show and be like, I feel great. Yeah, so true. I will say that my dad has not done 200 marriages, but he has done over 10. And so I am the daughter of a Jewish matchmaker. And uh, one thing that really made me laugh is he used to do it a lot more when we were kids and he knew more young people. Like the older you get, the harder it is to be in that (laughs) universe. But when we were kids, we would hear him talking to people on the phone and he loves doing it, like loves doing it. We would hear Wait, I talk- love your dad. I know. It sounds amazing. Iconic. But he, we would hear him talking to people on the phone and he would be like, oh, this is perfect. Like you're uh, like a little self-centered and she is like a little self-involved and like that it's going to work, you know, like that's going to be great. Like you're a little materialistic and she, like he would always be telling people like, these are your complimentary flaws and this is why you're going to be perfect together. And I do think there is a bit of that. I felt a little bit like that. I mean, Elise is nicer than my dad, that's a little harsh, but there was a little bit of a sense of like, here are your weird quirky things. And those things will line up with this person's weird quirky things. And I just felt like she didn't ever try to make anyone be a better person. She was like, okay, that's what you say you need. Like, we're just going to accept that. And we're going to do that. And I do want to say, because I, this was another thing I was a little worried about. I really loved how she totally like prioritized and accepted that physical attraction is like a necessity for a relationship because you could imagine a world where obviously she talks in the show about like having been Shomer Nagia with her husband that she didn't touch him or, you know, even hold hands before they got married. And you could, I think, imagine a world that's a little shamey on the subject of like sex sex and chemistry and you know you should connect on a spiritual level and not like on a physical level but she was so like no you have to be into them and they have to be into you and that's like you're never going to have a good relationship if you don't have that piece and she's very flexible about that like she'll be like i really want you to try to not touch on this date but there's no like consequence it's like oh you forgot and you just immediately hugged them whatever i asked you to try it you forgot it's no big deal I also want to say my husband is Jewish. And one thing he's always saying is that he wants to do a podcast called Is It Good for the Jews? And he's <laughs> going to be devastated to find out that he missed 
the first episode of Is It Good for the Jews, which I know. We is really happening right had now. Greg. We should have had I know. Greg he's, on here. He's gonna, when he hears that, he's going to be like, I told you, I told you I should take your place on this episode. I mean, that that is the eternal <laughs> in-group Jewish question. We're, we're constantly debating. My family group chat basically is like a running conversation of Is It Good for the Jews at all times. And the thing is, as as Emma knows, most of the time the answer is no, it's not good. So when something is good, it is so nice. It's all the sweeter. It's oh my God. It's so, it's so exciting. I was like, oh my God, this isn't terrible. And I got a handful of texts from friends of mine too who were like, should I watch? I'm scared. Oh, totally. Oh no, this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be bad. And then they start watching and I get an update that's like, Aliza's great. I actually, I really like Aliza. She seems awesome. My high school friends, um, we have we have a group chat going and and we were when I said, Oh, I, I'm starting to watch, they were like, Oh, I'm scared, I'm nervous. Like that is the feeling of like, oh, maybe it would be better if they had never done the show at all. The only thing I will say is like I first of all, I'm crushed um that Faye and Shia didn't make it. And okay, yeah, we will get into that. We, we will get into all the them. players. No, we definitely will. We I definitely feel like will. I want to sit Shiva over the end of that relationship. <laughs> and I'm so upset. Um, and I just want every happiness for both of them. Uh, yeah. but also, yeah, that I I wish that we could have stuck around with some of these people longer. I wanted to follow the story more. Yeah, I always feel yeah. the same way with the matchmaking shows. I think that's why I stopped watching Indian matchmaking after the first season. Because I was like, this is just, like, where does all my care for all these storylines go? Like, it just stops. And sometimes it stops halfway through the season and you never see them again. And it's a little frustrating. I Hopefully they'll follow some of the same characters in the second season. That is definitely the weak spot of these sort of docu-series style shows that are a little less produced is that like, yeah, we dip in and out. They have to follow all of these different characters. And I do think that Indian matchmaking, for me, I stuck with it. And I do think it's really hit its stride, actually, as it's had a couple more seasons because you do have characters who will carry over into the next season. So the matchmaker has spent maybe like two years kind of coaching them and you get to see their stories develop or you get to meet someone that they may have met in a different way, but that person gets brought onto the show. Um, And yeah, I think something that we've talked about with reality dating shows in general, Claire, is that like we love a narrative that feels strong and central and characters that we can really hang on to. And I think with these shows, it sort of takes a little bit more time for you to get there. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Ha- I wouldn't mind having some people who just drop in and out, or you only see one date or whatever. But like, I need to. I feel so invested in Bay. I need her to be. Okay. I know. Me too. She's so sweet. I loved her. Should we take a quick break? And when we get back, we will get into some of the specifics of the structure and some of the characters. Can you keep up? I like. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't, (laughs) turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. 
Dressing head-to-toe in barefoot dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts, too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe, and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house my house, my apartment, (laughs) you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really like elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it. So comfortable, so chic. Also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. We are back. 
So as I said, the structure and vibe of the show really mirrors Indian matchmaking, like down to the fact that each episode features an older couple kind of telling their courtship story, a la When Harry Met Sally. That also happens on Indian matchmaking. Um, And it also takes place in different locales around the United States, but also in the country that the matchmaker lives in. For Seema Aunty, that's India. For Elisa, that is Israel. Maddie, I'm curious what your feeling was on the place that Israel held. Yeah, I guess I wasn't surprised that they didn't get into the fraught politics of the place. Like it's just, nor should they have. Frank. Just it's just not, not the, the venue. It's not the spot for it, and I don't think talk about good or bad for the Jews. I don't think on that subject, we really want to hear too much about what our Galileza has to say. I don't think we're going to be getting our uh, sophisticated political analysis from her. Um, Listen, I thought it was like honest. Like that's where she lives. That's where she does a lot of this work. That's part of her life. Um, And uh, in some ways though, I guess as an American Jew, my interest was always kind of to get back to the U.S. because I feel like the combination of being Jewish and clearly for all these people wanting to be with someone Jewish and being in American culture is to me like a more interesting uh, experience to watch and felt like truer to my life. And I, I, so I just, I was less interested in the pieces that were happening there because I feel like, well, for the most part, it's just much easier to find someone Jewish in Israel than it is to find someone Jewish if you're like the only black woman who's Jewish in Kansas. Um, right. Or you're in, was he in Wyoming, that guy? Yeah, Jackson yeah. Hole, Wyoming. Yeah. So it was like those were kind of the more interesting to me storylines because I really was like, I see why you need Elisa. Like you are, you literally have to import perspective date you're <laughs> you're in you're wandering 40 years in the desert in jackson hole wyoming like <laughs> to find someone um but i thought it was like it's true to her job like she really does do this and i'm guessing she really does work in you know probably all over the world and so yeah i mean cindy who is in israel was i have to say one of the more annoying characters to me um <laughs> But I still wish for her eternal happiness. And yeah, that's how we I, wish that for everyone. We want that for everybody. Except, Ori. except maybe Ori. Okay, which except, we will get into. Okay, we have to we talk will about get him. into. We, we have will to talk, talk about Ori. But I did think she knocked it out of the park with the woman she found for him. Oh, oh she did. Aliza Ali- did great. The problem Aliza is that great. he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. You live um, with yeah. your parents. You live with your parents. <laughs> He's working on it, though. Oh, we'll yeah. get to Ori. Okay. Yeah. Why? What did you think about the transatlantic? Uh... Well, I know it's something that Claire was struck by. And it was funny to me because it took me like almost a second watching to really think about it deeply. Um, you know, I think American Jews are not a monolith. And so I think there are Jews who grew up here who, for them, Israel is inextricably linked to their Jewish identity, to their feeling of connection to Jewish culture. For other American Jews, it's it only really operates as, like, a political thorn in their side and is, like, wholly disconnected from their Jewish identity and culture. So, in a sense, it felt overrepresented to me. 
And in another sense, it felt, as you said, very, very honest. And I'm always like nervous to even to wade into the waters of such a complicated and I think in this country, like highly politicized often in uh, ways that I think are not good for the Jews (laughs) Um, conflict. And and so I. I didn't think it was the venue for them to really get into it in this show, but it also was clearly so present that it like, it sort of had those questions inevitably lingering in the background. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, yeah, I I, I think that it must be on some level that like for Elisa, it's such a big part of her life and her work yeah. that it wouldn't have made sense to overlook it completely. I agree. But I think that's interesting to your point. Like for some of the people on the show, at least, you know, two people um, are Jackson Hole Man, who had lived in Israel and Ori, who was Israeli. Um, yeah, it loomed really large kind of in, on both sides, like for their that it was it was kind of over overrepresented on the American side, too. Um, but I think, yeah, it must just come down to the fact that like that is how that's how she splits her time. So that's what she's doing. I do also wonder whether I only watched the first season of Indian matchmaking, but whether they wanted to have that piece of it, like that piece of it to, to match. That is, yeah. I, I actually was thinking about that too, because I do think that that is like a real hallmark of Indian matchmaking. And so it did strike me as like, they really wanted to replicate that model. But to your point, like there are tons and tons of American Jews for whom it's just not a day-to-day concern. It's not like, it's not a part of their Judaism. Right. And then there are people like me who have a lot of family who lives there and uh, feels plagued by this issue on a daily basis. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm closer to, I don't have family there, but I have spent time in Israel. I have a lot of Israeli friends. I have, um, you know, I know a lot of very politically progressive people who live in Israel and have very complicated feelings about their own country in the same way that, you know, living under Trump, we had very complicated (laughs) and still have very complicated (laughs) feelings about our country. And so there's just like so many layers to the role of Israel that I was like, I don't even know if there is a good way for a show like this to really to really address that, but it also would feel weird to ignore, to ignore it completely. That is kind of the weird thing about a dating show is that it's so such a light topic and it's supposed to be escapist and fun, but like dating touches on all parts of ourselves. And so inevitably it draws in all these issues that are like political or that have to do with other much more fraught topics and then it's like so do you really dig into that on this dating show where you're not gonna do a great job of really digging into it and you're just gonna distract from like the main thing this is about or do you just kind of try to blot it out or do you drop it in there and not really dig in and so like like for like for me I'm an outsider to this whole debate obviously but there were moments when I was really struck by, for example, like Noah being like, and then I moved to Israel to do yeshiva and to do military service. And Aliza was like, what a good balance. <laughs> and I was like, I can't imagine any of my 
Jewish friends speaking about it that way. So that felt really jarring to me. But also, like, that is a big part of being Israeli, is doing the military service. And that's wrapped up in that experience. And so, of course, it's there. Like, it just, yeah, that's just how it is to have a dating show. All these things always get kind of, like, brought in because we're all just humans and our lives are full of these messy things. Yeah, and in the same way that Indian matchmaking dealt with, like, the, you know, the caste system. Mm -hmm. And, like, I know that there was a lot of conversation from within that community um, about the way that that was represented. And, yeah, you just, you can't have a dating show, whether it is explicitly culturally specific or not, that, like, does not touch on some of these thornier things. Yeah, and there was, um, towards the end of the season, the man whose name I'm now blanking on who was, like, I'm culturally Jewish and Stuart. Stuart, love him. Um, love him. Crazy man. Uh, <laughs> I think those two were a great couple. Um, but he was like explicitly said, I'm culturally Jewish and there's, I'm not interested in dating anyone who's not like pro choice, um, you know, no racism. Like, this is, <laughs> these are the things I want. And I guess when I heard that, I was a little bit like, I'm surprised that no version that this is the first time that that is kind of explicitly being said as um, part yeah. of those parameters because you could also imagine a person who said you know I want to be with someone who shares my progressive politics about Israel or you know those mm-hmm. that that it could have been touched on in that way but um, yeah I think it's hard because it's like even going there would would open things up to even more complicated things that, yeah, the dating show is maybe not the best venue to address. But um, I think you see, it gives you this window into how people talk about this stuff when they're not, when it's not like, that's not explicitly the point of the conversation, but it's kind of elliptically hinted at in the background. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. But as we said, Jewish matchmaking is ultimately a dating show. It is fun. It is light. It is full of ridiculous characters. (laughs) And it is full of people who are just like tired of dating and eager, which is relatable, to offload the exhausting labor of finding love to an expert. (laughs) Like, please, I'm not doing this well for myself. I'm tired. I'm exhausted with the apps can you help me specifically within the Jewish community? So in each episode, we see Elisa meeting with a couple clients. She always sits with them. She outlines their Jewish background. Do they consider themselves from? Are they reform? Are they culturally Jewish? Do they love having Shabbat dinner with their family? Do they want a person who is going to pray with them? Um, and then also just the specific things they're looking for and care about in a partner on a, on a larger level. And then she sets them up with like one date at a time. I think we should talk about some of the daters because we've been obviously dancing around this. As we said, she sees clients in Israel, all over the U.S., Miami, Kansas City, Los Angeles, These clients have a variety of ethnic and religious backgrounds, which is great. And they span from like their 20s to early 50s. Like we have Jews of color in this group. We have Mizrahi, Sephardic, and Ashkenazi Jews. We have some extremely observant Jews, Jews who, as we said, consider themselves to be culturally Jewish. So while there isn't like 
a wild amount of socioeconomic diversity. Like I would assume that there's some self-selection there in terms of people that are like, want to be on TV, are seeking out a matchmaker, are considered telegenic. Yeah, matchmaking is not a cheap, uh, it's a luxury yeah, also, service. Yes, fair, yeah, it's a luxury yeah. service. Yeah. Yeah. If she's going to fly from Israel out to like Kansas City, typically. Right. Some <laughs> amount of resources are required. Yeah. So, but in other ways, I think there is like a refreshing amount of diversity. People have been married before? Yes. Yeah. People who you suddenly find out have a 13-year-old son halfway through their arc on the show. As a random example. <laughs> For example. Uh, yeah, we have quite a group of daters, and some of them I really liked. Some of them I really... <laughs> I liked less. Liked less. <laughs> I would say I liked a lot less. And she is very non-judgmental, which is wonderful and like very inviting and also there are times when i really wanted her to just like smack people down because there is I one mean, person this is in particular one person yeah, very one much person. in particular but you know like the, it is like any dating show but more explicitly when you're talking to a matchmaker just like a display of what people actually want in their partners and a lot of it is very uncomfortable to hear and we have, like, several people specifically be like, I w- prefer European features in some way. They'll convey that. Or, like, I need someone with abs or someone who's tall or not bald. Like, these very specific uh, superficial prejudices that people bring in, but especially <laughs> the European features one, which, like, keeps coming up. And it's like, yuck. Um, but then some of the people I really loved and I just want them to find happiness. So let's start with Danny, Miami based 27. Danny's a character. Yeah. Danny She's really wants to be a character too. <laughs> She's like, I have amazing eyebrows. They have their own Instagram. Here's their Instagram handle. <laughs> she she promoted this Instagram handle on this show. And it still has under 1,000 followers. Yes, I was going to say, that is key. <laughs> that is key to make clear. It's she's it's micro-influencing at best. <laughs> Micro-bladehood, micro-influenced. <laughs> yeah, they're very good eyebrows. But I actually don't think many people want to look at an Instagram account that's just close-ups of someone's eyebrows. So that's I don't see this working for At this for her. point, there is a glut of content and we all are being more choosy about what influencers we follow. And personally, like, I'm good with seeing Danny's eyebrows on Danny's face on her That's normal Instagram. That's the thing. Instagram. If I think you have great eyebrows, which she does, then I'm happy to look at them in context. You know? <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> eyebrows in situ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she, because of this, needs a man with a strong brow like she wants people to look at them and be like look at that couple with the great eyebrows so her priorities are in order top of the list eyebrows everything else comes below but it's stuff like you know he's obsessed with me he treats me like a queen he brings me flowers and has great eyebrows (laughs) she grew up in a kosher household but she's not super observant at this point in her life her family is originally from south africa That's kind of where she originates. 
And there is a huge South African Jewish community. That that is a very specific. And, and we, I'm grateful for Danny's story yeah. for giving us the opportunity to see Jewish geography play out on Netflix, which is <laughs> oh my god, really important to me personally. And, and like I correctly think, this time, Emma and I watched yeah. a, a really weird made-for-TV Jewish Hanukkah oh, rom-com god. that turned Jewish geography into something really weird. Oh. <laughs> This was this felt more this felt more yeah, this correct. Was correct. This felt very accurate, and also Jewish geography is a core part of my own Jewish culture. So I needed, I craved that representation. <laughs> I'm like, this is what it's like. So she gets set up with David initially, a CPA who is president of the Miami Sephardic Club. I'm gonna say he turns out to be kind of a fuckboy. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> He it's didn't, a no. He didn't like, come to her birthday. It was on the Shabbos. I'm like, if that's a problem, like if if you can't go out, but he didn't say on that Shabbos. Was why. But right. I like that, that he retroactively was yes. like, it's because I was observing. Well, the but Sabbath. this is the thing, How though. Shem if, doesn't want you the, using him as an excuse like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How dare you? Also, if that's the reason, then shouldn't you just be upfront and be like, I don't think I'm compatible with someone who's throwing a birthday party on a day when I can't even socialize like that seems like a huge issue and instead he just like ghosted the party why did you say you were going to go like i didn't get the sense that the day had changed he didn't seem invested i'm gonna say he let us he down. also he let us down as, time. as soon as she breaks up with him he's like but can we make out <laughs> yeah that was sir that was when i was i was definitely off yeah, I was like, poor Danny. Danny. She she does not need Elisa to find a man. Yeah, see, they're like presenting David. themselves to her all the time. She doesn't have <laughs> yeah, to pay exactly. good money like, for that. There are one million Davids all over Tinder. They don't require effort. <laughs> <laughs> I need Danny to be like a recurring character into the next season because I want better for her. She does have a great connection with Sean who she meets while they're both, like, visiting Los Angeles. I think Danny grew up in L.A. And Sean is also from a South African family, but he lives in Hawaii. And so it's just, like, it's not gonna Also, he likes to get up early and (laughs) surf in the morning, and she likes to stay out late partying. He's like, maybe our lifestyles aren't that aligned. But... She's like he's he's the male me. Like this is this is perfect. I could look he at him. He gets his forever. eyebrows threaded. He gets his eyebrows. What his, more could you want? I was like, she's clearly really into him because to me his eyebrows just looked okay. I thought they were just average. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, they were they were not. But that's how you know you're really special. into someone if you look at their average eyebrows and you're like, oh my god, his eyebrows, iconic, and they do find a shared acquaintance. In South Africa, or his cousin, she met at a music festival or something. Yes. So that was a beautiful moment of connection. I did wonder how what how many degrees of separation I am from the cast of this show because I feel <laughs> like it can't be very many. No, I'm sure between the two of us, we could find someone Some who knows someone. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I say, admit I was looking at all of their Instagrams, being like, "I found." Do we have any mutuals? <laughs> I, I, I haven't confirmed this with the person in question, but Greg's cousin is Facebook friends with Harmony, who we will discuss. Oh, my God. Oh, fant- okay, no see, way. we already we did, did it. it. 
Claire, you did Jewish geography by proxy. <laughs> You've married into it. Jewish geography through marriage is so critical. No, it was so exciting. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to have to text her later and ask if she actually knows her. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so so should we move on to yes. Ori, um, <sighs> my personal number one enemy from this show? Yes. Ever since I watched, like, the first episode, all I wanted to do was talk about Ori. So let's get into this. Ori is terrible. And I will say, I saw some people on Instagram being like, I didn't like every member of the cast. This isn't a good look for Jews. And I'm like, look, this is a dating show. You need a villain. You can't have them all be winners. No, so one I, complaint I about Ori is that they should have kept him on more because we yeah, need we a villain. Yeah, we needed the villain to stay. Yeah. Absolutely. Break carry him through to the end. And he's, also a classic villain with like a mom who's who's too into like oh you yeah, know, that's like a weird yeah. mom stuff. Weird mom Some stuff. weird mom stuff. So Ori is thirty. He lives in L.A. He is Israeli American. He like was born in Israel. I think lived like the first ten years of his life in Israel. But his family has been in L.A. for two decades. Um, he. He says there's, like, a big Israeli community in in L.A., but, like, he needs Aliza's help casting a wider net because he has gone through yeah. all of the women and in Los Angeles, and none of them are hot enough. enough for him. <laughs> none of them have enough blonde hair and blue eyes, but also are fluent in Hebrew. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, this is... He is, like, truly, like, I need an Israeli woman who is naturally blonde with blue eyes. And... This is, like, the snarkiest I think we see Aliza get. Like, she is the most gentle person. And she's, like, <laughs> very Israeli. <laughs> she's, like, colored contacts, hair dye. It works. And he's, like, uh, mm, no. She's, like, okay. He also right. um, says explicitly, my mother is my number one woman. He lives with his mom and works with his mom. Yeah, he's like a graphic designer. She's a wedding planner. They're in business together. I will say I looked at her Instagram. Gorgeous events. She seems very talented. <laughs> they I'm live sure. very well. Yeah. But although he's like, I'm working on moving out. And I'm like, you've been employed for a decade. What's the hold up? You're 30, sir. We're not working that hard on moving out. <laughs> yeah. Also, nobody like, could watch him interact with his mom and thinks he really wants to leave. He wants no. to stay. He wants to get a wife and move in with his wife and his mom. But this is the weird thing. His mom looks nothing like his type. So he's weirdly into his mom in this way where he's like, she's my number one woman. Like, if she and my future wife disagree on something, I'm going to be at the bar. Like, he's not going to even want to go against his mom at any point. He seems great Except today. Except that his yeah. mom is of Moroccan background. And she's like, I think he should date a Moroccan woman and he's like no I want a blonde like there is this weird complete rejection of his mom's physical look and like his own too like he's not blonde and blue-eyed no he is a Sephardic Jew yeah it's uncomfortable he's like I'm obsessed with my mom but also I want her to be blonde and blue-eyed and sexy and like big boobs just that, but my mom is what I'm looking He's for. He's, like, not a supermodel, but, like, if a supermodel was into me, <laughs> I would be really happy. Well, the crazy thing about him, on top of so many other crazy things, is that Elisa sets him up the first time with truly, like, the most beautiful woman on Earth, uh, who's she's oh, just oh, dead gorgeous. Oh, my God, a D. She is 
just stunningly Truly beautiful. stunning. And he's like, but I'm really stuck on the blonde hair, blue eyes thing. And it's he's so like, crazy. Uh, I mean, I'm happy because I want Adi to be free. Uh, she seemed, yeah. uh, fr- frankly, in like physical and psychic pain being around Ori for two dates. <laughs> and which I get that. was relatable I get to me. That. Yeah, we don't want to frame it as like, he rejects her because it's very mutual. She <laughs> hates being around him. But he does reject her for not having bigger breasts and brown o- and and blue eyes and blonde hair. He's like, I would sleep with her, but like not hot enough to marry, I guess. And I'm like, yeah, Sir. the last thing I would want is for Adi to have to spend her life with you dyeing her hair blonde <laughs> wearing blue color contacts to make herself into what you want it's better for him to to keep searching for the impossible dream but in the safe space of this podcast like yes be honest and say that like being a jewish person obsessed with blonde hair and blue eyes is making me uncomfortable for yes. some historical reasons exactly yeah. It is very uncomfy for those historical reasons. And and it's I, giving I, Aryan it's obsession. Giving Aryan is what it's yeah. giving. And I don't like for anyone else to be saying that, but I especially don't like for the call to be coming from inside the house. <laughs> Not into it. And I will say, I don't think Aliza's into it, no. but she's extremely gentle. At one point, she has to like remind Ori. Be into her more than you're into you. And you can see that that's like the most horrible piece of feedback he's ever gotten in his life. Yeah, he's like, what? What But I'm amazing. People have told him a lot of things about what he deserves. And this might be the first time that anyone has ever told him that maybe the women he's dating deserve things as well. And it's confusing to him. Even with his friends, we see them starting to, as he's talking more and more about what he wants from women, they're starting to be like, okay, but you're talking a lot about like the physical stuff. And what about talking to a woman and getting to know her on the inside? Uh, He has that one woman friend who starts to be like, uh, (laughs) this is, I don't know, Ori. Uh, Yeah, I liked her. I liked her, too. When he was talking to his family, and they were like, so what did you tell her you were looking for? And he was like, oh, well, obviously, she. I need to be attracted to her. And next on the list is I need to have chemistry. And they're like, yeah, those are, like, kind of the same thing. Like, is there Mm. anything else you would like in your wife other than (laughs) physical attraction? He's like, big boobs, big breasts. (laughs) That's what I want. His three things that he eventually comes up with are Hot, good chemistry, and sense of humor, which means laughs at his jokes. Yeah, well, he has a lot of coded things. Like, sense of humor means laughs at his jokes, and family-oriented means is willing to live with his mother and never (laughs) fight with her. Right. Well, the craziest (laughs) thing about it is that it seems like Aliza actually finds that person. That's the craziest thing. Because Aliza is really good at her job. Yeah. She eventually connects Ori with Karen, who also comes from an Israeli family. She does have naturally light eyes. She speaks fluent Hebrew. I'm like, I don't know why she would want to hang out with Ori. She seems, she seems cool. I think that I don't have high hopes for this relationship because I think that Ori gave good enough first date. They have a similar sense of humor, she says. She's like, there was good banter. We were laughing. 
And I was like, I just don't see Ori's pulling his head out of his ass enough to not fumble the bag on this one. He can't stick the landing. I agree. I agree. I think it's like the banter needs to be backed up by heart, maybe. Like a little bit of emotional intelligence, perhaps. (laughs) And we all know that that's not going to be coming through. But I just had to give it up for Eliza because he had the most discordant set of priorities and she actually did (laughs) deliver the truly incredible stuff. Yeah, unreal. The way that she looks at him on their second meeting when he tells her that he doesn't just prefer blue eyes, he requires them because that's where the spark comes from, is from looking at someone's blue eyes. (laughs) And the way that she looks at him Like, she is trying so hard to keep her neutral and accepting mask on, but you can just see the horror peeking through, and she makes a little noise, like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah, she's physically pained. She is not. She's not She's not into Ori, but she's trying her best, and and she's like, this is one of my clients. And then she pulls up all these beautiful women that, like, kind of do match his physical characteristics, and he's still just like, no, no. I mean, she's beautiful, but no. And I'm like, you're looking at objectively gorgeous women who fit your physical criteria and you are refusing to even meet them based on what? Like, are you picking a woman from a catalog? I'm just like, why would any of these women want to date you? Well, I'll be very interested if it does come back for a second season, which fingers crossed that it does, whether Ori returns. Because... Surely he's going to have an even harder time dating now that everyone knows how odious he is. <laughs> <He's> gonna- <laughs> so in a sense, he's never needed Elisa more. Yeah. If I were a so blonde-haired, blue-eyed Israeli woman, I would actively avoid... Run. ...speaking to Ori. Like, you've just, like, announced that you have some sort of Aryan fetish. fetish. Yeah, yeah. That no, I would not, not want to be a for anyone. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think he's with Corinne. I did a little a little digging, and th- there just don't seem to be any signs that they have. No, been. she she's on a one year of travel yeah. around like South America, which Good I love for, for her. her. It's yeah. very far from Ori, and <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's she what had happens to leave. when you go out on one date with this man. You need to leave for the year. Leave the, <laughs> exactly. leave the continent. You're like I must cleanse myself. <laughs> yeah, I have to leave the the entire region. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will talk about the rest of the daters that we meet on Jewish Matchmaking. Can you keep up? I like love I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating 
mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. And we're back. I think we should talk about Harmony next. I love Harmony. (laughs) Harmony is... She's wild. She's a lot. She's 44. She's from California. Harmony to me is so, she's so sweet and like endearing, but also I'm like, there are shades of the Ori thing here where I'm just like, you have a lot of very specific and rigid expectations that are making it hard for you to go on the dates. Well, it is always interesting in these matchmaking shows that you see... It's you see why dating is so complicated and how much luck is involved because people are articulating things that I think are fair. Like you want to have, you want to want to have sex with the person that you're going to marry, right? Like that's just kind of, that makes sense. Um, But you also want all of these other qualities. You want a steadiness. You want, if you want a family, you need someone who's on board with that. And like, it can be hard to to find those people. And it's also really easy for people to get in their own way by kind of focusing too much on the things that sort of allow us to categorize and like whittle down what we want in a person when like the things that you actually want when you meet someone, often there are qualities that are pretty like ineffable. Yeah, and I also think that it, with Harmony, it's like, I think that the the way that it can be cast if you're, somewhat older and you're looking for a partner is like the the 
the feeling can be like, well, you need to lower your standards. Right. Just settle for whoever will have you. Right. Which obviously I think is a terrible piece of advice and not realistic or good. But I do also think, and I feel like you see this with her, that if you haven't found someone and you've really been looking, then you might not be right about what you think you want. Because if you were right about it, you would probably be with that person already. And I feel like that's the that's kind of the needle that Eliza tries to thread with her, which is like, okay, you tell me you want all these things, but you're, it's it hasn't led you to the the future that you want with someone who also wants a family, with like someone who shares these different values. So we need to kind of expand the aperture a little bit yeah. and, and consider people maybe we wouldn't have considered, not because you're lowering your standards, but because or settling, but because clearly you're missing something if you haven't met this person yet. Right. A good matchmaker is going to identify the things that people say that they actually want and then set them up in the best way to find those things. Right. Because so often we might be like, I want a family. And then you're like only dating 25-year-olds who have no interest in having kids. Right. Like, And that's sort of a little bit what we see with Harmony. I think this is Harmony's issue. And... (laughs) I get it. Like, she has a life that she loves. She was grew up a very indulged only child. And, like, she loves herself. She wants to give herself what she wants. She has the lifestyle that she enjoys. She travels a lot. She decorates her home the way she wants. Like, she, she lives this very self-focused, self-driven lifestyle that revolves around, like, what she enjoys. But she also, like, really wants to have a child. And so she wants a a partner who both is like spontaneous and will travel with her all the time and passion and fun and excitement. And also she's like, and steady and stable and wants a child right now. And Aliza is like, yeah, those things like just kind of don't really go together. Like if you want a, a guy who wants like a jet setting lifestyle where you guys are spontaneously traveling all the time, it's probably just not a guy who's about to have a baby. And Harmony is like, well, in my mind, I'm both of those things. And I don't see why I should compromise on any of that. But it just isn't how, it just isn't realistic, unfortunately. You kind of have to pick a direction. But I do think unlike someone like Ori, Harmony is actually very open to sort of she tries. going out with people yeah. that she might not have thought to go out with and keeping an open mind. Yeah, and really... And really trying and really listening to Elisa. And she is one of the cast members that wrote just like a really sweet, long message on Instagram. She's like, there are no words to describe the love in my heart I have for this incredible, magical light of a being, Elisa Ben Shalom. She's been sent down from above to make you feel seen and heard in ways that I personally have never felt. Oh my God. I know. It's like so sweet. I always knew the type of person I wanted to do life with, but I wasn't clear in expressing and prioritizing what was more important. You see my shine and I see yours. And that is the beauty. It's just really sweet and beautiful. And you're like, oh, this is, this is where a person like this can come in and do some good for someone like Harmony, who's open to be told, open to being told that maybe she's looking for things in the wrong places or she's prioritizing the wrong things. And like, sometimes you just you do need assistance getting out of your own way. Yeah, and considering people that maybe you wouldn't have considered, and even if those people don't end up being right, at least it, like, gives you 
more context for what you do ultimately. Right. Sweet. Yeah, because if all you're ever doing is going on dates with like the hottest guys that you match with on Hinge, it's like you don't even know what you're missing because you're never dating the guys who bring different qualities to the table. You're only meeting like the the dating app F boys. Yeah. And I also feel like with Harmony, the people that she went out with who even when she didn't want to continue, it was like she did seem to really appreciate just being treated with respect. Like these people who wanted to be there, who share, like who also want a certain kind of life, like who share those goals that it, I felt like you could kind of see it raise her self-esteem to see like that's out there for people who want that. It's not like an impossible idea that I'll ever find that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it there is something that is satisfying when you're doing a lot of dating about feeling like you are circling the right person, like you're getting closer to the thing that you want and need. And like you see her go on these couple dates with Aaron, a professor of architecture, and she is like a great conversation with him. She really tries. She ultimately doesn't feel that like romantic spark. And I loved that Aliza was really accepting of that. Yeah. Um, And didn't make her feel bad. She's like, you tried. You connected with this person. It didn't go reach to the the level that we want for someone that you're going to like be in a long-term partnership with. Okay, let's move on. Let's find someone else. Yeah. Let's ask the manager at this restaurant if he knows any (laughs) single men in their 40s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that was, that was another thing that was really heartening about Elisa is that you never had a sense from her that she was like, looked at Harmony and thought like, she's desperate. Like, you know, she really wanted her to find someone perfect for her, not just because there's like this clock ticking, but like on her own terms. And I thought that was so nice. You could imagine another way of this going where, you know, a person makes their client feel bad that like, no, you got to get moving. Like you're, you know, if that's what you want, like, no, you know, you have to, you know, second guessing her instincts. But she really, like you said, she really listened to her and was like, okay, great. We'll try again. Yeah. She's like gentle enough and being like, hey, you say you want a kid. Let's then let's prioritize finding someone who also wants that while not being like, well, if there's any man you meet who wants to have a baby with you, then I guess you better settle for him. And like, yeah, she she strikes that balance really well. Yeah. It did stress me out a little bit when she said she had not frozen her eggs. That did stress me out too. Yeah, we didn't um, for that. Also, and she has a conversation on one of her dates where she's like, I sort of wish I had just had a child and then I, I wouldn't have to link that to dating. And I'm like, do it now. <laughs> like... Go for it. See, I would be the bad, the bad matchmaker. I'd be like, why don't you just have a baby and then you can not feel the pressure when you go on these dates and we'll find you the perfect guy because I was getting stressed on her behalf. Well, there's all kinds of ways to make a family and I feel I, confident Harmony will find her. We'll find her way if that's what she wants. Yeah, she's Absolutely. another one that I really would like to see the show follow into a second season. Same. Let's talk briefly about Cindy, who, Maddie, you already said, is one of the more annoying characters. <laughs> she's 27. She lives in Jerusalem. She's a Sephardic Jew who who moved to Israel as an adult, and she grew up— I, was con- I did some digging because I was very confused by her accent. She grew up between France and Canada and then moved to Israel. Okay, that makes sense. So I think that that, yeah, makes sense. Um, Something that I did like about her is that she talked about her reasons for wanting 
a Jewish partner. And she talks about her family's history, like her great-grandmother escaped Libya with gold in her bra in order to keep being Jewish, and her grandfather survived the Holocaust. Um, And she says, you know, I want to be a part of, of a miracle that continues that. And I think that that does kind of get at a, a lot of the things that kind of bind the Jewish community to each other, this like shared history of fear and persecution around being Jewish and what it means to kind of need to feel the need to continue that that tradition. I was with a friend this weekend who is to- totally secular, but she said offhandedly, not talking about this show, oh, the only way in which I really feel Jewish is like in a sense of fear of persecution. And I was like, I feel like that's the only way to feel Jewish. That's, <laughs> that's the whole game. That's, that's kind of the whole history. <laughs> um, yes, I did find that sweet. I think that the thing that, and and resonant, but the thing that drove me insane about Cindy is that I was just like, you're not over your ex. So this mm, is Which Aliza also concluded. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, there's, it's not really, I didn't think the guy that she went out with was so perfect for her, but I also was like, you're never going to, you're not going to be able to move on if you. I feel like I, Aliza was like, I'm not wasting one of yeah, my good yeah. ones on you. Like, you're not down. I felt like bad for Cindy that like, I, I didn't find her that annoying. I felt bad for her because it's clear that her ex ended the relationship and that she didn't want it to end. Mm. And so she wants to move on. And Elisa keeps being like, what about your ex, though? And Cindy's like, my ex who dumped me when I thought we were going to get engaged? <laughs> like, obviously not. You know, like, it's when you get dumped and you're trying to move on and people keep being like, you're not over your ex. Why don't you go date him again? Like, I know. It's like, you can't just do that. She's trying to move forward. And then Elisa's setting her up with this dude who honestly does kind of suck like he shows up really late to their second yeah, date like yeah him. which like is that. whatever he's like okay he just ambles in with this whole long excuse about I love how that Cindy was like that never happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> things that didn't happen yeah for also 1, like 000. sir you have a phone and just shoot a text his story was he took the bus because he likes to there was a bit of a language barrier I was like I'm not sure if he's expressing this in English the way that it really happened. But he was like, I like to intervene with the people. And he was on the bus and a man lost his wallet. And so he took it to the police station. And he's just recounting this in this way that isn't apologetic at all. It's more like expecting her to be impressed. And that was the thing that really irritated oh, I, me. I, I felt, I did feel bad for Cindy. I was like, this guy is not it. No, no. Tell me, 34-year-old Daniel, you are not... And then she says she wants to have several children and also adopt some children. And he's like, oh, no, men, we we don't like that. Oh, Oh my God. I almost forgot forgot about about that. that. He was like, I would not date a divorced woman because I don't want her children. I wouldn't love them as much. I was like, you're you're disgusting. I hate you. Wow. Thank you for bringing that up because I also had completely forgotten about that. That was a moment where I was just like, what the fuck? And Cindy's like, yeah, I don't. I don't think we really look at things in the same way. <laughs> I mean, I'll say that was so crazy. That was yeah, like, he's like, you know, men, men, we d- only need genetics. That's it. <laughs> that Jesus. Was not good. No, but okay. The thing with Cindy, though, is that like I, I almost would have wanted Elisa to get more into like, let's talk more about your previous relationship. And like, yeah. because clearly it will always be a barrier if you can't get right with what happened. Like, I don't think the answer is get back together with that guy. I think the answer is like, what were you not seeing 
in the relationship that, mm. such that it ended the way that it did? And like, how can we heal you from that so that you're ready to move on and find someone else? And I think yeah, they're I think just that's... starting to get to that at the end. So I would actually like yeah. to see her again too because it's like Same. they just got to that first step in their right. last meeting and i think she she gave an interview to i think hey alma and she was talking about that 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 was sort of like the main thing she realized through the process was like that she hadn't properly processed the end of her last relationship and so yeah i would be interested i would be interested to see to see her dating life now she's also like only 27 it was yeah. interesting to me that there were a lot of young people on this show, like that who who I think it makes sense, like people who were just like, I'm tired of apps or I want I'm more serious about finding someone else yeah. more focused attention. But it was interesting that not just on the like you could imagine why someone who's young and very observant would want a matchmaker, but that even people who were fairly secular wanted to They're work just with like, her. I'm tired. Relatable. Yeah. Yeah. That and I mean, it really Cindy is, wants I think, a lot at of the kids, center. Right. Like, I think also true. We see with a lot of the young women, I think Corinne also, uh, Ori's date is 25, and she says she wants six children. So I think the younger women we see, a lot of them are like, I have to get started, or right. they're more religious. And then there's Italian Noah, but we'll get to him. I have no idea what he's doing on this show. <laughs> Should- so let's first talk about. Noah number one, who is 36 (laughs) and lives in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. He has an interesting backstory. He grew up ultra-Orthodox. He, as Claire said earlier, moved to Jerusalem when he was young to go to yeshiva, like study Torah, um, and do military service, because that is, you have to if you (laughs) move to Israel. Um, He when he was ultra-Orthodox, got married very young and had a baby basically right away. He then, I think, realized that he didn't want to live that that life. They got divorced. He left Israel. And his ex-wife and his 13-year-old son are still there. He says at one point that he recently went to Israel for his son's bar mitzvah. So now he's just like an outdoor ski bum yeah he's a financial advisor yeah yeah and he like imports his kosher meat from from denver denver yeah he's (laughs) he lives in a place where there is just no kosher meat so that he can go snowboarding like every day seems to be yeah the and as you said maddie you're like yes this guy does need Oh, he Elisa. needs Elisa. He <laughs> needs Elisa. There are no like flexodox Jews in sight. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also the interesting thing in terms of how Elisa operates because it's not like she says to him, it's crazy that you live here. If you're serious about finding someone, you should leave and like have a different lifestyle. Instead, she's like, no, I will supply these women for you to date here and hope for yeah. the best. I'll find some ladies who love the outdoors. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it did seem beautiful, to be fair. Yeah. Oh, gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. I I could see for him, like, you know, he he already has a kid, like, finding someone who, who wants to live part-time in Jackson Hole, part-time somewhere else. Who knows? Part-time in Denver for the... For the, for the meat. Yeah. <laughs> I do think I read that he had moved to Denver since filming. Well, that makes that sense. Makes you know what? That, 
It seemed like a lot of work to make those frequent kosher meat runs. Yeah. And I you feel like life outdoors. will be easier for him. Yeah. yeah. There's still a lot of outdoors in Denver. Yeah. That, you know what? That seems that seems good for him. Good for him. He, he also loves fish, which <laughs> there is just a whole subset of Jewish men who are huge fish guys. So Elisa's friend makes uh makes fish keepote. Fish keepote. <laughs> <laughs> it's a community. This yeah. is the guy who we find out like partway through his storyline about his son. And it just comes out of nowhere like a jump scare. <laughs> well, also in my mind, I don't like it. Given that he was so um, observant, it's not surprising that he had a child very young. But in my mind, I was just assuming like he has a young son. And then he's like, he was just bar mitzvah. Yeah. And I had a moment where I was like, oh, my God, right. People who are my age can have 13-year-olds. Oh, 100%. That's crazy. I know. They can have pe- kids older than 13. <laughs> but it was just like, it was just like a, wow. Yeah. Also, like, just his lifestyle is very bachelor style. Like, yes. he's like, my life is full <laughs> yeah. of financial advice giving during the day. And then during the rest of my time, I go out with my big, like, dog and I go on hikes and I snowboard and I am an adrenaline junkie and none of that speaks to him trying to balance parenting and it seems like it's because he just like they're so far away from each other in practice he's not really parenting at one point he even tells a friend like who's concerned about whether Elise is going to find him women who are interested in him already having a kid. And he's like, well, it's not like I'd be asking her to, like, integrate that into her life. And I'm like, yikes, dude. Like, that is your actual child. Like, you probably should be asking her to integrate that into her life. Even though he lives in Israel, that kind of threw me for a huge loop. It seems like it's a very phone-based relationship. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, it is. And I think it's interesting, too, because obviously the stories, like the people don't have much to do with each other across or anything to do with each other across stories. But it does kind of when when you hear Faye say that she feels so old at 27 and then you hear about this person who already had a 13 year old kid, it does like form this ecosystem where you do understand why she would feel that way, that like there are people who are getting right. like, at 20, 21 and like have started their lives in this way. I thought it was also, I thought the way the stories kind of, the different daters kind of played off of each other was interesting. It really showed you the inside of this world that, you know, most of us don't encounter. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Let's talk about I think Faye. we should talk about Faye. Yeah. Faye, who was... One of the most interesting characters on the show, I think. She is orthodox. She considers herself from, which means like very devout. She And she is part of like the orthodox community in Brooklyn. She's 28. I think she's our only New Yorker, right? Yeah, only New Yorker, which was surprising. I kept like waiting for New York. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. There's a lot of us here. (laughs) They wanted to have a, a cast a wider net. Uh, yeah, so she's very aware that she is older than most women in her community to still be single. But she's also like, yeah, now that I'm here and I'm, like, almost 28, I actually don't feel like it's such a disaster. Like, 
I don't feel like it's so old, but I do want to have a family and I want to get that process moving. She's also like her, she's an entrepreneur and she she has like an outward, an outward facing job. Like she's kind of a a semi-public figure because she runs this um, Instagram account, OK Clarity, about mental health, specifically from like a Jewish perspective. And so she is like an interesting figure in that very orthodox community in that she is like outward facing. She is like modern in a lot of ways, but she's also very observant and wants a partner who is the same level of observance or more observant than she is. And I would imagine that that might be hard to find. Like I could imagine some men in that community not wanting a partner who is kind of out in the world as much as as she is. And who clearly like is ambitious professionally. Right. Yeah, that does put her in a weird sort of tightrope to walk. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense why she's had maybe a smaller pool to draw from. And she ultimately goes on two dates with Shia, who kind of, that this relationship ends up kind of illustrating this perfectly. Like, they're they're really compatible in a they're lot of so ways. Cute. They're, they're so cute. So, he's so adorable. Cute. Yeah. He's and super he's, adorable. And he's really into her. Yeah. They're into each other. They laugh a lot. They have a lot of fun. They seem sort of smitten with each other. But when she realizes, and he realizes, that she is more religiously observant than him, and that she... Davin's three times a day and she expects him to Davin with a minion. That's like a quorum, a quorum of of men um needed for like prayer. And her father does that, her brothers do that. She expects that. And he's like, Well, I don't do that. And maybe I would like to get there, but I also don't want to feel bad that I'm not there at any point. Like I don't want my spouse to be looking at me. Like expecting you're, you're more. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was a very mature conversation that he had with his rabbi about yes. the situation, which was very I sweet loved to it. see. And he basically said that, like, I don't want to be with someone who thinks that I'm not good enough. And I I get that. Why would you want to feel judged by your partner? Yeah. And I think that they reach a really, like a really mature conclusion where both of them are like, you're great. We're just not quite on the same page and like we can see the ways in which these differences might breed resentment down the line so like let's not let's not even go there because for Faye like that is just a need that she has that is just like an absolute deal breaker and so it's kind of like you can't argue with that um don't put yourself in a position to to fail in this relationship. But similar to the Harmony and Aaron thing, I thought it w- would have been nice and seems like it was nice for Faye to just meet someone who was great in a lot of ways and was really obviously into her and to prove that that's out there, that like they're... Yeah, yeah and even within her community, it's like it's not as though he's not a an observant Yeah, and their person, families right? kind of like, know each other. yeah. They have mutual friends, of course, because obviously, of course, (laughs) something that kept coming up also is that she was really nervous that he only has brothers because he just won't understand that girls are crazy. (laughs) She talks about it with her mom and then she talks about it with him. She's like, oh, it must be so much easier for for you all because it's only boys and girls are bougie. (laughs) 
<laughs> there was this like of like fixation on that that I found really interesting. I had never like thought when I was dating to date someone with sisters or brothers, but it seems like she had this expectation <laughs> yeah that it would have like shaped him in some fundamental way and I'm like honestly that's probably true that it shapes you yeah probably I just really liked both of them yeah. and I thought it was great nuanced uh representation from within the orthodox community without it feeling like too didactic yes because I feel like you could watch that and you could be like oh my god but they're both they already both do so much how could it not be like, how could that not be the same thing? But it was, yeah, she basically was like, no, I there's there's nuance within it, and this is the degree that I want. Yeah, and this is the degree that he wants or the, that he can give. I did see, um, I was looking up everyone on Instagram, <laughs> and Shia just got engaged, like, this week. Oh, my God, Mazel tov. Yeah, he met his now fiancé, like, right after filming wrapped, and... Aliza kind of coached him through the dating process. Like he met with her when he went to Israel over like the holidays and she and Faye were both at his engagement party. Oh my God. So cute. They posted photos of all of them and um, Faye was posting some really sweet things on Instagram. Like his fiance is named Hoovy and she's like, they're just, they're perfect for each other. And they are, like, really warmed my heart. a beautiful friendship is also a good outcome. It really is. It really is, yeah. And Shia proposed to his fiancé alongside, like, a Taylor Swift song. Oh, my God, yeah. He literally timed it to the part in Love Story where he knelt to the ground and pulled out a ring and said, marry me, Juliet. Juliet. The curtain falls away, a big sign that says, marry me. (laughs) Shia's on one knee. Shia's like, I know who I am. I'm going for it. And to go big or go home. I'm impressed. So, lovely for them. Happy for them. And yeah, I'd like to see them follow Faye. I just want to, apparently I want to hear about all of these people next season. Yeah. yeah I think that's right. <laughs> just follow the what same about, people. What about Stuart? Stuart. Stuart, who is 51 from Chicago. I love me some culturally Jewish representation where he's just like, my Judaism is Larry David, Jewish humor, <laughs> and being pro-choice. I was like, yes, Stuart, relatable. That's I love that. It. I see that's that. It. That is it. <laughs> it seems like Stuart's impression of why he is single is because he keeps getting into relationships that he knows should end after a few dates, but then he doesn't actually end them for several years. <laughs> I'm like, you're 51. I feel like you should have gotten on to this a while ago. He needs Aliza. He, he needs, needs Aliza. That's what she's for. Yeah. He calls himself a professional dater, but he's like, I've been doing this for decades. I'm ready to break up with people at the appropriate time so that I can <laughs> have pretty a good for 51. Yeah, he does look good. Good skin. And he gets a little makeover. She takes him I out this. to I know. update it, his wardrobe so he can get pants that fit. Brought me back to what not to wear. Yes. 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 You're actually wearing a size larger than you need. Sw- sweetest and gentlest makeover <laughs> ever. They're just like, this shirt is great, but what if you wore one that fit? <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. 
Yeah. It really is. He looks great. I like that he got like a little glow up, but it's not like they tried to radically transform him. Like he really looked the same. He's just wearing clothes that fit him properly. Yeah, I think it was like simply like that you're wearing the wrong waist size. This yeah. Correct. And he seemed like his mind was blown at the idea of putting on pants that fit properly. Blown. <laughs> it's like they're supposed so to many men fit are. around the waist. That's <laughs> Who among us has had to take a boyfriend to get pants that fit them properly i've done it i've done it we've all done it It happens uh he wants to date a jewish woman he tells uh well and this is the interesting thing i think uh, there is probably a bit of a tilt towards people who are either more observant or more attached to like israel or like the jewish identity in this way because that's why they're seeking out a specifically jewish matchmaking service for him he's like i don't want to have to explain why curb your enthusiasm is funny and Greg enjoyed this because that is the dynamic in our relationship where he has to explain to me why it's funny. <laughs> it is like the one piece of media where I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> it's a barrier. <laughs> yeah, Stuart doesn't want to have to deal with that. that. He's tired. He's 51. <laughs> but he is, I, I like that he was like, look, I'm open to dating a woman with up to four kids, up to two cats. <laughs> Oh, yeah, up to two cats. (laughs) Up to two cats. And Elisa's like, wow, that's generous, frankly. He's very open-minded. Yeah, he's like, the things I'm not open-minded about are my left-wing political views. And again, I was like, Stuart, I see you. And yes, also same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I identified with, with Stuart in many ways. And he goes out with two women who, who seem great. First with Hope, who just, it seems like not quite a click. Yeah. And then he goes out with a comedian named Pamela who seems delightful. I loved her. Yeah. And she 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 laughs at his jokes, which like if you're a comedian and you can laugh at someone's jokes, good quality. Instead of just being irritated by the poor material. That's got to be Stuart a good is sign. just like the kind of dater that I enjoy watching where he's just like deeply self-deprecating, kind of up for anything. <laughs> Yeah. That's fun. And we got that Chicago representation. Also in the Midwest, we meet Nikisha, who is in Kansas City and really wants to leave Kansas City. (laughs) She's 25. She is a Reformed Jew um, who considers herself like a tad more observant than most Reformed Jews. And she is half Black. She's a biracial Jew. She's a Jew of color. And she talks really candidly about like, the racism that she has faced from both outside, but like from within the Jewish community and trying to date within the Jewish community, specifically in Kansas City. And I was really glad to see that we had at least one Black Jew get get her story focused on because I think that like Jews of color, that is just a story that is like really, I mean, Jews in general, that is like underrepresented in in good media representations, certainly Jews of color that is like basically non-existent in our, in media. Um, And so I was glad, glad that we got Nikisha's storyline. Yeah. She talks about being fetishized and like, yeah. yeah. And just being seen as like, how is this even possible? Why, why do you exist? But it starts, like it starts from a place of like skepticism about who she is, which of course, if you're someone who both takes your identity in all senses of the word seriously like that's so offensive and hurtful to have to justify yourself in all these different spaces that you go into yeah yeah 
And so she really wants to move basically anywhere else. And- <laughs> Literally anywhere but Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and also out of her mom's house because she really wants a gun. And her mom won't let her have a gun in the house. I really have I was to like- say I did not see that coming. <laughs> I know. I was like, Nikisha, I'm with you. Yes. Yes. And then she's like, I love guns. And I was like, what? The motorcycles oh, were fine. Yeah. The guns I'm fine. were a bridge too far. Exactly. I'm like, motorcycles. for being like, absolutely not in my house. I know. You can see her mom just shaking her head like, no. Yeah. Nikisha, no, no guns. I will say, if if I was dating someone and they were like, I will take our children on my motorcycle, I would be like, all right, have a nice life. Check out the check out the fatality statistics and good luck with that. Yeah, look, motorcycles <laughs> not for me. Guns should be not for anyone. I agree. Yes. That's my yeah, position. I agree. Yes. It's not going to be <laughs> reckless. Although you know, it's funny because it's like to me, motorcycles and many kinds of extreme sports or even semi extreme sports are to me coded deeply not Jewish. Oh, yeah. Like, why would we ever take our lives in our hands unnecessarily? We're constantly taking our lives in our hands by force. We have... We have way too many anxiety disorders also for a motorcycle. (laughs) Like, I don't understand. I was like, wow, Nikisha is so evolved. But She's um, breaking barriers. She's breaking barriers. But yeah, no, she lost me on the gun thing. Do not have guns at home, Nikisha. Do not do that. I I wondered how (laughs) flexible she was on that. Because I'm going to say that the two men that she gets set up with didn't quite strike me like hyper masculine gun guys. No, I did not. Could be wrong. It's possible that that the guns don't come up until the second dates that we don't see. I don't think she's with the, either of the guys that we see her meet anymore. She's also our youngest woman. I think she's She's 25. And so she starts listing everything she wants. And it is a list of like very fit, not bald. (laughs) Definitely don't want bald children. Definitely want him to be in great shape. I don't understand that, by the way, because, like, all children are bald. Yeah. No, that's... I guess she's, like, looking ahead. She's like, I don't want my children to be bald when they're 30. Like, eventually? (laughs) Eventually. I don't know. That seems like a a risky thing to stake your own future on, the future hair patterns. Yeah. I think there are certain things that maybe she needs to, like, take off the list. Which, look, she does go out... She's young. Well, she does this is go the thing. They're Ryan. sitting there having this conversation, and her mom starts being like, "You know, sometimes when you're young, <laughs> yeah. the looks they seem so important." <laughs> like she's trying to tactfully be like, "My daughter has a lot of very specific <laughs> physical attributes, but I'm sure there's other things that she actually wants." <laughs> <laughs> so she does go on a date with someone bald, who is 37, 38, Aliza really tests her with this first match. Yeah. But she has a great time. Yeah. It seems like they both have a great time, but it's just not really like a romantic spark on his end. But then when she's visiting Miami, she goes on a really great first date with Evan, who has a full head of hair. And he's and like just, a party, like a party DJ. Yeah. Yeah. So he's very like, Fun-loving, gregarious, just like she is. Flowers. He's very sweet. They seem like they have a great time. That was very sweet. I like to see that. Yeah, I liked Evan. Yeah. So that's where they enter a story. They have this great first date. It seems like they don't interact on social media and are probably not seeing each other. But 
she ends on this sort of high note. And and again, she is only 25. I just really want her to meet someone in a cool city that she can move to and and not own a gun. Not own a gun because <laughs> Yeah, maybe someplace like with very strict gun laws. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm I think sorry, babe. The her. gun laws here are just so strict. You can go to like Michigan. They just passed a whole bunch of things. Oh, yeah, we love that. New York is great. We'd love to have Nikesha. Yes. Without her gun. Yeah. <laughs> Nikesha sans gun. I'm on board. <laughs> and that brings us to our last, uh, our last dater, Italian Noah, Noah number two, who lives in Tel Aviv. And very he's confusing 24. Very, very confusing. Very I'm like, he's Italian. He, yeah. Yeah, he. I don't know. I think he's the other one who is looking for a woman with European features. And he's 24. So he is our youngest dater across the board. And he's just looking for a girlfriend who's also his best friend. I was like, this man belongs on The Bachelorette. He's perfect. (laughs) I feel like this is a wrong dating show. (laughs) Yeah. I do I think, like, first of all, you don't that, need a matchmaker. I think it's something that happens when people hit their early 20s, where it's like they just suddenly come to the realization that they should also like spending time with the people that they're dating <laughs> and, in addition to sex. And they're like, I'm the first person to think of it. A girlfriend who's also a best friend. We have sex. <laughs> and then we enjoy spending time together doing yeah, other he's like, non-sex I got it. things. I, cr- I cracked it. Yeah. And and he's like, I know all about matchmaking. I've seen Fiddler on the Roof, which Eliza really gets a kick out of. She laughs so hard. She's like, I don't know. I thought you were going to, like, talk about another dating show. But instead, you said Fiddler on the that Roof. That was my point of reference as well. <sighs> yeah, so the, there is confusion throughout his time on the show as to, like, why he is doing this at 24. He's not, like, super duper observant. It doesn't seem like he's in a hurry to start a family. So well, he does not need like, to be on yeah, this show. Yeah, he doesn't need to be on the show. He's not in a hurry to start a family. He's also, like, not in a hurry to necessarily get married, which I totally agree with. But, like, marriage is the goal for everyone else <laughs> on the show. That's kind of the idea. Right. Yeah. He he's wants the to person- date someone for, like, a cool, you know, three to four years and good for him. I think he should. But, like, do you need a matchmaker for that? I, I like, wouldn't no. think so. He's hot. He's, he's young. very hot and 24. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. And I he's, and he's the, the person that I most get the impression that he like wanted to be on a TV show. Yes, absolutely. Totally. 100% that. <laughs> but he didn't even make for such good TV. No, he didn't really do anything. I like barely took any notes about him because I was just like, this guy, I don't know. I did note that he and Cindy have been hanging out since the show's release as the the Israeli cast members. I thought she hated Tel Avivian men because they're all F-boys. I guess she'll make an exception for her good friend, Italian Noah. He is very cute. He's very cute. I, I'm just saying, Cindy might be able Cindy could to get, get over, over her, her ex <laughs> by getting under Noah. That's right. <laughs> I want, I, you know, wouldn't blame her. He is kind of a dud, though. I Yeah, we have the least notes on him. Yeah. Not much. I'm kind of like... He doesn't need to come back for next season. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. No, we're okay without one. him. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're everyone else I'd like to see more of. Him, I could do without. <laughs> that brings us to the end of the show. So I want to ask the group, do we think that Jewish matchmaking succeeds as a show? And do we want to see a second season? I mean, I obviously 
say yes and yes. I think it's a smash success. I love Lisa. I think she could like write books, have a podcast, you know, yes. make a whole media empire. Definitely want to see a second season. Do you feel like I want more of these people to recur more? Um, and more episodes, more episodes, longer season. Yep. Give us more content. Uh, but yeah, I think she is like a really good. I don't think there's anyone else on TV who is quite like her. I think she brings a new flavor to the post star canon. And I think it's nice. I want more of it. And I will say that in the process of recording this, I did get a text from a friend who said, obsessed with this show, Jewish matchmaking. So there we go. That's that. It's permeating the Jewish seal of approval. That's right. It's slowly, it's, yeah, it it is, it is spreading. The gospel of Eliza is spreading. I agree with you, Maddie. Yeah, I, I do too. And I also, I just wanted to say she has written two books. Oh, wow. That I don't know if they've gotten the shine that they clearly deserve. But on her website, it says she has a book called Get Real, Get Married, Get Over Your Hurdles, and Under the Chopa. Oh, also- <laughs> under the Chopa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and also uh, Virtual Dating, Your Guide to a Relationship in a Socially Distanced World, which feels a bit more like a COVID cash grab, but yeah. more well, power to her. You know, get the bag. If get your bag, the Elisa. opportunity, who are we to deny her? But yeah, I do feel exactly. I do feel a podcast for her. I feel a relationship advice podcast. She's got the catchphrases. We didn't get Would super listen. into this before, but she is very, very catchphrase based. Uh, date them till you hate them. Uh, analysis paralysis. Mystery in your history, which just means that like you have an ex you're not over. Yeah. <laughs> like, when in doubt, go out. Doubt, which go is out. like the same thing as date them till you hate them. I'm but... seeing pod merch, t-shirts, mugs. I'm seeing the whole thing. So I think. I think you're right. I think she needs a whole content empire. Yeah, I think she has it. Like, she has it. I will watch her. <laughs> she has the I think we need... Uh, she does. We need another season. For me, I was like, okay, this show needs to succeed on two levels. It needs to be entertaining enough, and it needs to explain enough about Jewish culture to be watchable by a non-Jewish audience. But it also has to have enough great cultural specificity that it feels like a cultural product for a Jewish audience. And I really felt like it did both. Like you have a lot of like Yiddish and Hebrew kind of mixed in, in a way that certain terms like tikkun olam and bal tshuva and shomer nagia are explained, but not every single little in-joke is like explained to death. There is a feeling that like you are watching a community interact within the community and that that's okay. And and also for me, like on a, a more serious note, it's like, this is a weird time to be a Jew. Like it's a weird time to be a person in America who is not in kind of the majority culture in any sense. And, you know, there's been a rise in anti-Semitic hate crimes. We have Kanye out here, like, literally praising Hitler and, like, Nazis trying to do a coup. So, like, this is a moment in which Jewish representation feels feels like it has, it requires, like, extra weight. And I think that Jewish matchmaking has a lot of heart and does something really lovely where it invites people into the diversity that exists within the Jewish community and also 
yeah, offer something like for us, by us. And I just, I really loved it. And I want to, I want to see more of it. Yeah. And also something that doesn't dwell on all the bad stuff. Like it's a show with a lot of heart and it's, it is so sweet and fun. fun. And it doesn't, it doesn't assume the burden of having to like speak to, you know, this moment in for American Jewry. It's like, I'm going to be over here making this show, doing this thing, and you can enjoy it and you can go someplace else to get your like heavy, depressing stuff. And yeah, and I'm, I'm think that's really nice. I enjoyed it completely. I wanted to end on a quote from the Guardian review, which I thought was great. There are enough commonalities, albeit mostly of the depressing sort, with other dating shows from whatever culture, age, or any other demographic group. People are foolish and inconsistent, loving and careless, worth screaming at in one moment and crying over the next. We don't always want what is best for us. We repeat the patterns imprinted on us before we were old enough to understand them, even long after they start to contradict what our genuine desires are. People who obsess about their eyebrows are always boring. But the main one is that confident, independent women are fishing in a very small pool of men, secure and mature enough to date and marry them. Truly fragile masculinity is the thing that unites us all. Well, that and your mother knowing best if you'll just only listen to her, honestly. Oh, God. God. I was like, that's it. There are fragile men in every cultural group, and that is what... (laughs) we can hold on to with any dating show that we watch. There's an Ori, there's an Ori in every culture. There's an Ori in every culture. It's true. Yeah. That's what makes, honestly, that's what makes dating shows tick. There's always an Ori, no matter where you are. This is why we should all just, you know, lay down our arms, embrace our fellow man, (laughs) because the reality is we all are facing the same terrible people in our own cultures and that should bring us together it should unite us i agree i agree absolutely what a beautiful note to end on maddie thank you for joining us can you tell all of the people listening where they can find you and your work and of course pre-order your book yes please pre-order my book from your local independent bookstore ideally but that big place on the internet is also a totally fine place to get young and restless the girls who sparked america's revolutions which will be out june 13th um and you can follow me on twitter assuming it still exists by the time this comes out at maddie con and on instagram at matt and my website is maddiecon.com. And on that note, that is it for this episode of Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks, of course, to our guest, Maddie Kahn. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Talon Stradley. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please remember, as always, to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice little five-star rating and a review. And of course... Spread the word about Love to See It to all of your friends. Post a glowing testimonial just like (laughs) Harmony did about Aliza so everyone knows. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clareandemmapod at gmail.com. 
You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and on Instagram at Claren Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clarendemma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We will be back next week with our next rom com rewatch, Never Been Kissed. I'm so excited. Stitcher. You're probably already familiar with Vogue. You know, the publication that has given audiences an exclusive inside look at fashion and cultural moments for more than 100 years. You can expect no less from Vogue's podcast, The Run-Through with Vogue. Meet the influential people behind the scenes of fashion's greatest moments, from designers and creative directors to Vogue editors and the woman behind the infamous Vogue closet. Get inspired while listening to the creative processes of people like author Zadie Smith, fashion designer Tori Birch, and uh, recent star of the Super Bowl, Usher. Go beyond the pages of Vogue with The Run-Through, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts.